in the daytime, he had one child, a little boy. After he had been there about two months, he went up to London and had barely set foot in the metropolis before he was recognised as being a man wanted by the police on some charge, exactly what I do not know. But it must have been a grave one, because sooner than give himself up, he shot himself. Meanwhile, the child lived on here, alone in the house. He had food for a little time, and he waited day after day for his father's return. Unfortunately, it had been impressed upon him that he was never under any circumstances to go out of the house or speak to anyone. He was a weak, ailing little creature, and didn't dream of disobeying this command. In the night, the neighbours, not knowing that his father had gone away, often heard him sobbing in the awful loneliness and desolation of the empty house. Mr. Radish paused, and, uh, the child starved to death, he concluded, in the same tones as he might have announced that it had just begun to rain. And it is the child's ghost that is supposed to haunt the place? asked Mrs. Lancaster. It's nothing of consequence, really, Mr. Radish hastened to assure her. There's nothing seen, not seen. Only people say, ridiculous, of course, but they do say they hear the child crying, you know. Mrs. Lancaster moved towards the front door. I like the house very much, she said. I shall get nothing as good for the price. I will think it over and let you know. It really looks very cheerful, doesn't it, Papa? Mrs. Lancaster surveyed her new domain with approval. Gay rugs, well-polished furniture, and many knick-knacks had quite transformed the gloomy aspect of number 19. She spoke to a thin, bent old man with stooping shoulders and a delicate, mystical face. Mr. Winburn did not resemble his daughter. Indeed, no greater contrast could be imagined than that presented by her resolute practicalness and his dreamy abstraction. Yes, he answered with a smile. No one would dream the house was haunted. Papa, don't talk nonsense. On our first day, too. Mr. Winburn smiled. Very well, my dear. We will agree that there are no such things as ghosts. And please, continued Mrs. Lancaster, don't say a word before Jeff. He's so imaginative. Jeff was Mrs. Lancaster's little boy. The family consisted of Mr. Winburn, his widowed daughter, and Geoffrey. Rain had begun to beat against the window, pitter-patter, pitter-patter. Listen, said Mr. Winburn. Is it not like little footsteps? It is more like rain, said Mrs. Lancaster, with a smile. But that, that is a footstep, cried her father, bending forward to listen. Mrs. Lancaster laughed outright. Mr. Winburn was obliged to laugh too. They were having tea in the hall, and he had been sitting with his back to the staircase. He now turned his chair round to face it. Little Geoffrey was coming down rather slowly and sedately with a child's awe of a strange place. The stairs were of polished oak, uncarpeted. He came across and stood by his mother. Mr. Winburn gave a slight start. As the child was crossing the floor, 
He distinctly heard another pair of footsteps on the stairs, as of someone following Geoffrey. Dragging footsteps. Curiously painful they were. Then he shrugged his shoulders incredulously. The rain, no doubt, he thought. I'm looking at the sponge cakes, remarked Jeff with the admirably detached air of one who points out an interesting fact. His mother hastened to comply with the hint. Well, Sonny, how do you like your new home? she asked. Lots, replied Geoffrey, with his mouth generously filled. Pounds and pounds and pounds. After this last assertion, which was evidently expressive of the deepest contentment, he relapsed into silence, only anxious to remove the sponge cake from the sight of man in the least time possible. Having bolted the last mouthful, he burst forth into speech. Oh, mummy, those attic!